Sometimes a pastor who we know to be a man of God and a passion for the heart of God suffers burnout and simply can't go on, leaving the rest of us to ask the question, how can that possibly be? Find out why today. It's important to face these realities because unless we do, we'll never know what to do next. Well, welcome to Truth and Life Today. I'm Dr. John Newfelt, your host, and I have this marvelous opportunity of interviewing Bob and Penny Armstrong. They run a ministry called Oasis Ministry, in which they've taken a number of pastor-pastor couples uh, through a, a series of, uh, first of all, retreats, and then they also do one-on-one counseling with them. And um, they have a specialty in helping pastors through moments of crisis, but at the same time, also helping them simply to check their own spiritual well-being. How are they doing? Well, burnout is one of the things that they like to talk about. Uh, So we're going to hear a little bit more about burnout today, why it happens, how do we know when it's happening, and then what do we do about it? So if you have a pastor and you're praying for your pastor, you're going to want to watch this because it will help you to know how to pray for your pastor well. Well, Bob and Penny Armstrong from Oasis Ministry, what a joy to have you back at Truth and Life today. Um, I know that uh, we have enjoyed a conversation in the past. Um, You work with uh, pastors and their spouses in relationship to all manner of ministry issues. I think it's safe to say that there are a number of pastors who have come to you, and over the years, um, you gave me a statistic of how many pastors have come to Oasis Ministry, and what would that number be? Over 1,400 pastors, missionaries, leaders, and spouses. Wow. Some uh, in crisis, some not, some simply saying, how am I doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so all of that. Um, One of the things that I know that both of you had talked about that you face on a regular basis is somebody who's in ministry just faces burnout. Now, we've all used that term, but I don't know whether I even know exactly how to define that. So could you help me out here? When we talk about burnout, what are we talking about? So burnout is an experience uh, that we go through where we know a physical, a mental, and um, a spiritual weariness that just can't be remedied with the typical fixes of life, like one week's vacation or... So you come back after the vacation, you're still tired. Right. And, and even backing that up, the day before you're coming back, you're just filled with dread. You know you just can't go back to that place and be okay. There's like nothing in the tank. You find that a lot, Bob? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, there's a lot of people who come to us and, and some... Some are so burned out, all they do is sigh. Just deep, deep sighs, and there's just nothing left in the tank. They, they, they don't have, they can't take another thing, listen to another thing, they're just there existing. Now, when a, when a, when a pastor reaches the point of burnout, typically, how's that prayer life? Oh, when, when you're in full-blown burnout, because you, you kind of lead into it, so if you're totally burned out, there, there's nothing. There's the sense of spiritual angst. Um, people usually, they don't pray, or they, they say they can't pray. It's not they don't. They can't pray. And there's just this sense of, I didn't think this is what it was going to be like. You're, you're lost. And you don't have the emotional energy 
um, to feel much about it because your emotions are all blunted. So I often say to people, if, if you're still kind of freaking out or blowing up or whatever your stress behavior looks like, you're not burned out, you might be heading there, but you're under a lot of stress and you need to pay attention to that. If you're burned out, everything is flat. When I experienced it myself, somebody said, do you have a word or a phrase that described it? And the thing that came to mind was beige. All the colors of life are gone. Okay, so you've been through that. Yes. And, um, well, well, let me come back to that because I'll ask you how long you were in that experience. Sure. But um, when one is, I mean, I want to go before the burnout. Mm -hmm. And that is, do... Are, are there certain things that always lead to burnout? I mean, is it stress that takes one there? Is it criticism? Or what brings a person to that beigeness of life where... I think it's often a, an accumulation factor of a number of things. Um, I, I, in ministry, was one of these guys who ran hard and fast. Yeah. And so uh, I would go visit a psychologist, and he'd smile at me and say, Bob, you're coming to catch up, are you? And, and then I'd tell him what I'd been going through, um, and I, I realized, you know what, if I would have just taken the time, every time I went through something that was difficult and took the time to deal with it, rather than keep running and leave it on my shoulders, go do the next one, leave it on my shoulders, I, it's just weighing me down, weighing me down. And so I had to learn to, when things were difficult for me, to take the time each time to work it through and deal with it. Well, let me slow down here because I think you did something I'm not sure I've heard very many pastors do. You said you went to a psychologist. Mm -hmm. How often? I was. I went. Uh, um, I went for about uh, about six months. Uh, so once once uh, probably once a month for six months. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, just to prevent burnout, or because you were wondering whether you're going there? I or? went because. I was crashing and I didn't know why and I had no tools to deal with it. I had no idea what to do with it. So I, I went to get help to see if I could get help to, to work this thing through. So if you take me now into the experience of somebody who's in burnout um, and they're becoming aware now of what brought them there, can you, can you give us some stories or give us some examples? What are the kind of things that people say, what brought me there when that aha happens? Um, what do they talk about? I think sometimes there's an awareness ourselves that we're just not ourselves or we're off, but often it's a spouse or a coworker who will say, is something going on? Because there's something about our behavior that's different. A classic one is even if we're the most extroverted person, we start pulling away and isolating. Um, so we're pulling back from people or in interacting with people, we're short with them. And if that's not our usual, people can see that and pick up on that. It's because we have a very low capacity to deal with the normal everyday stuff. So now, in a lot away. of churches, depending on the model of church governance, being short with people might end your ministry really quickly as well. <laughs> that's so, true. you know, your survival depends on not being short with yes. people. Yes. I, I think it's really important that, that, that we as pastors really listen to our spouse. Uh, big time, because sometimes they're the one that uh, can see us and knows us a lot better than we know ourselves. So it's it, to pay particular attention to the spouse. And sometimes um, we need special permission to, to get the necessary help, to get the rest that we need. And sometimes it means going to the doctor right. and the doctor saying, 
you know, you need help. I mean, Penny's got a story about what her doctor told her. Well, Penny, let's go to that. So sure. you had come to a point, how long had you been in ministry when you, when you reached uh, that? Over 20 years, for sure. And did you see signs that it was coming? No, I didn't see any signs that it was coming. I felt tired. Um, this was about 13 or so years ago. But at that time, tiredness, a lot of us in ministry talked about tiredness. You know, ministry can be heavy at times, a lot of responsibility. So no, I didn't see it coming. Um, I also, my understanding of burnout was limited. So I thought burnout happened to people who are high energy and did work too hard, too long, never took a day off. And I was doing all those things. Um, so I didn't see it coming, and it was a big surprise to me. And when you say it's a surprise, does that mean to give us the impression it suddenly cascaded into you, or was there a slow movement towards burnout, or do you feel like it suddenly happened? For me, it was like hitting a wall. I was actually oh. at an event, and I became very emotional. Someone had to actually come and assist me and take me to the room where I was staying. Right. I had to contact Bob, and all I could say to him was, something is really wrong with me. And I went to the doctor, and she said, you know, just looking at me, you need some time off. And I remember saying, do you think I can have a couple of days off? I, I was just so low in my spirit, I didn't even know what to ask for. And she said, let's start with eight weeks. And I just wept with the relief of it. And during that time, which is a typical time that, that pastors need to take, that can be a beginning point just to rest and regroup and replenish and allow God to do his healing work in your life as well. Do you find that most churches, when they recognize their pastor is there, are willing to respond well to that? Yes, I do. The problem, the problem with pastors is that sometimes we all can be very good at pushing through, pushing through. Now, the spouse and family are usually more aware because we'll typically reserve our best to those for, you know, we are serving and then at home we crash. But once a congregation is aware, I think, yes, for the most part, huh. they do want to help and support. So I, I would think that one of the things a pastor might say is, I, I can't tell my congregation they're going to think something wrong with uh, yeah. my spirituality. Yeah. Um, you know, if you had faith in the Lord and if you prayed your way through it, God would give you all the energy. I mean, pastor, those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. So yeah. that doesn't seem to be happening to you. Yeah. Um, is that the kind of inner talk that goes on? Maybe I shouldn't tell. It's not only the inner talk, um, they're afraid of being judged, but it actually does happen. People actually do say those things to pastors yeah. when they come to them and say, look, I, I, I just don't have the strength right now. Um, will you pray for me this morning as I go up to the pulpit because I just don't feel I've got anything left in the tank. And it's almost, some, some people, not all, but some judge them for that. Well, maybe you're just not you know, equipped to be the pastor here. Yeah, so we need a pastor who, who is sensing the passion of Jesus for their task, and you're not it. So that's very difficult to share. So we're going to be right back with Bob and Penny Armstrong, and we're going to talk about what to do uh, when you get to burnout. So stay with us, and we'll be right back here on Truth and Life today. So I'm back with uh, Bob and Penny Armstrong, and uh, this is really an interesting conversation. I'm going to ask you to imagine I'm that pastor. I've come to you. I'm in, I'm in full burnout, and I want to know what to do next. Uh, is there a way through? 
Uh, is my ministry done? I, I would think people ask that. Um, Bob, what would you say to me? Well, I think, I think a great example of that would be Elijah, uh, not Elijah, sorry, Moses, uh, his father-in-law Jethro, when he came to him and said, Moses, you can't keep doing this work. You're going to wear yourself out and you're going to wear the people out as well. And uh, I think that was a, a wake-up call for Moses to share the load with now, it, let me stop you here for a moment. Wearing yourself out, is that another synonym for burnout? I see that. Yeah. So, 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 he that, was, so he was potentially going down the road. If he would have continued to go down that road, potentially he could have let him. So his father-in-law sees that. So, but now you see pastors, they're already there. They've worn themselves out mm-hmm. and they want to find a way back. So, Bob, if I'm that guy, what, what are you telling me? Well, like the story of Moses and Jethro, what um, I, I go from there and then I go to Elijah and I think about how God took him very practically, took him to a place where he pulled him aside, took him out on his own, uh, made sure he got some sleep, make sure that he got something to eat, make sure he got some good rest and, and something to drink, and then, and then moved him from there, not rushing him through, but helping him through the process, not, not condemning him, but just being with him as he worked through the process. Because he had that great victory on Carmel, and he had so many great victories, and then he crashed when Jezebel was going to go after him. Yeah, it seems like such a small thing because he had already stood up to the prophets of Baal. And, uh, I mean, he shows remarkable courage and the ability to stand alone, and yet, you know, it seems like a small word, although I, I recognize Jezebel has great power, but he's seen the power of God, mm-hmm. and you would think... He ought to be able to get his way through that, but he doesn't. Yeah. I don't think people realize the accumulation, how much that would take out of a person going through what he went through. Even though it was a victory, it takes a whole lot out of people. And so they become very vulnerable after that. So is there an adrenaline factor in all of this that, you know, you just feel like, you know, I've shot the water on all my adrenaline and I just, there are no reserves in the tank and I just can't start going again. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. And that's why the first part of the recovery from burnout is really just as Bob's described, is focusing on the physical. It, it's not a time to start thinking about things or answering heavy questions. It's a time where we just physically have to take care of ourselves and perhaps others have to assist us in that. And that period can be maybe for the first initial two weeks. Okay. And so you want a doctor's appointment? Yes. And yes. uh, maybe you want to check what you've been eating, right? Absolutely. You, you, you want to look at the body and think, what am I putting in that's going to be helpful? You may not have no taste or passion for anything, but good fuel, good rest, and a place where you can totally relax and be away from the responsibilities of ministry. That's the initial phase. Crucial. Okay, so that's just don't do anything for a while outside of take care of yourself. Right. Um, what, what, what happens next? Well, the next phase is reconnecting with, with God really through creation and, and knowing yourself well. Not everybody is a hiker, but many people appreciate the value of being out in nature. So for many pastors, it's going somewhere where they can hike or sit by the ocean or just be in a place where they feel, uh, without having to have too many uh, concrete thoughts, but they just feel the presence of God. And if they don't, it's at least a place where they can just say, God, I'm here. 
I'm here and waiting for God to, to come to them. But they're also walking a bit. You're being a bit more physical. Right. And at that time, maybe doing some hobbies that just bring you pleasure. It's like permission to have some fun and enjoyment because you're rebuilding. Huh. Yeah. A lot of um, pastors have forgotten to play. Mm -hmm. the, the ministry is so serious. It's, it it's got eternal consequences. And uh, sometimes they take it so serious that they forget that uh, play is really important, just to relax and have fun and enjoy themselves and get out of the program, um, just to come on down. Well, you know, that's a really important thing because if I can share personally here, I mean, there are many times throughout the years of ministry, I've told the Lord, if only you had made me a medical doctor, I would only be concerned with the physical lives of people. I gotta handle the spiritual, eternal lives of people. And the weight is so large. I think I'm going to collapse under it. Um, so I would argue that I, know, I think there are a ton of pastors that don't have a hobby in the world. And, and what we've learned is when we ask them, what do you do to take care of yourself? They forgot. And so sometimes they have to do a, a play history and go back to when they used to enjoy and what they used to enjoy doing and had fun with. And, and we say, well, you need to re, 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 go and get that again and, and, and uh, start a... Uh, playing and having some fun again, relaxing. And I would recommend riding a motorcycle on top of all of that. I, pl I play hockey with my three kids, <laughs> and I just forget about everything when I'm out there. It's wonderful. Do you drop the gloves and go after them? I don't drop the gloves. Yeah. They play hard and fast. I play smart. <laughs> yes, there is a saying that age and deceit wins over youth and skill, yes. Well, th let's, let's say that's beginning to happen. What else happens after that? Well, there does come a point then, say now we're three or four weeks in, yeah. where we begin to, with the help of a good friend, maybe a mentor, but a close circle of people we absolutely trust. So that if we say, um, I don't even know if God is there, or if he exists, or I don't pray anymore, people aren't going to go running, screaming from the room, or judge you harshly for saying those things. Right. So you've got a close circle, a small circle where you can say, this is where I'm at. And you begin again to work through your relationship with God, inviting him in. Um, if you're angry, saying I'm angry and working through that. But part of that is realizing, we come back to that word expectation again, that some of the things we've been holding to have not happened. And so our heart has grown sick. And we need to work through some of those things with God. And sometimes it's as simple as God I thought when this happened, you would always respond like this, and you didn't, and I didn't know where you were. And it's kind of that relearning our relationship with God and strengthening that relationship, because that is the doorway then back into ministry, to go back with that just renewed sense of who I am in God. And there's two theologies that seem to come up out of our work over and over again with pastors. We say to them, you need to have a solid theology of success and a solid theology of suffering. And people coming out of burnout, I think one of the greatest things they can know is that success in terms of what God requires of us is being faithful. So put away those other markers of success that, you know, sometimes we value uh, this part of the world, you know, big churches, big numbers, big money, whatever. Put that aside. Our calling is to be faithful. That takes a lot of pressure off. And then also to have um, 
a, a reasonable idea of, of suffering, that this side of heaven, suffering occurs in life and in ministry. And that is not a sign that something is wrong or God is not here. It's simply something that's going to happen and to know that God is with me in the suffering. I wonder also where there might be missing is an understanding of grace. You know, most pastors spend their ministry career, if we know the gospel at all, it's about grace. It's about failure and sin and, uh, and all of the things that come as a result of the fall. And there comes this marvelous story of the death of Christ and his works provides for us all that we need. How easy it is to, Bob, apply the grace to others and to be most harsh with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we often have to remind pastors to have compassion on themselves. The same compassion they give to others, have it on yourself. Give yourself a break once in a while. Well, I know that there are a great many people who I think are listening to this who were going to have to pray for their pastors a little more Mm -hmm. and recognize this is an arena of genuine spiritual warfare. Um, We still don't, you know, we don't really have superheroes. We have ordinary human beings who are serving God as best they can with the gifts that God has given them. Um, Bob and Penny, I'm delighted that the two of you do the ministry that you do. Um, I'm, I'm praying that more pastors will find their way to their do- your door. There are plenty that have already. But may the Lord bless you as you continue to minister in this fashion. Thanks for being a part of Truth and Life today. So if you're watching this, uh, you might want to connect with Oasis Ministry. You can find that online. But it's been a delight to have uh, Bob and Penny with us. Uh, continue to join us on this program as we discuss very relevant issues. May the Lord bless you. I'm reading from 1 Timothy chapter 3, and uh, it's a passage which is a part of what, you know, in the Bible we call the pastoral epistles. Um, Paul the apostle has sent his lieutenant, who is a man by the name of Timothy, to go to a troubled church in Ephesus and to help set right uh, all the things that are, that are not working well in that church. Well, in a very real way, Timothy is to serve as a pastor. And uh, that's exactly the role that he plays. And so when we read either 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy or the book of Titus, they're called the pastoral epistles because they are specific instructions that are given to church leaders, specifically also to pastors. So let me read to you from uh, chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, verse 1 and following. It says, This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, or we might say here a pastor, he desires a noble work. An overseer must Be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable. And then it says, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert, or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Well, it's quite a list, and I hope you're getting the idea. Uh, Any pastor who is godly and takes the Word of God seriously will take the paragraph that I've just read very seriously. A person is going to say, this is what is required of me as a servant of God. 
But as we've been talking today, we've also recognized that everyone who serves in pastoral ministry is also uniquely aware of their own humanity, of their own fallenness, and their own proneness for discouragement. Sometimes we don't know how to set boundaries. Sometimes we allow criticism of others just to cascade in on us. And the cumulative effect of all of this sometimes undermines our effectiveness. And we might go back and read passages just like that and say, I don't know that I, that I just stack up to this. And so what to do at a time like this? I think one of the things that Bob and Penny shared is that sometimes we just need to get away and rest. You know, our Lord and Savior took extended times just in prayer with his Father. Sometimes we just need to rest, and sometimes we just need to observe the God of creation, find out what he's up to, and have no other agenda than just simply getting to know our God over and over again. You know, I once had a a seminary prof who said, I think the reason God made ducks is so that wounded pastors can go and sit by a pond somewhere and just watch them and enjoy Yeah, maybe that's the case. But there are times for rest. There are times of restoration. There are times to check one's own calling and to say, is it still there? And there are times for God's people to allow their pastor to do just that. Allow your pastor to set some boundaries. Allow your pastor to be human. Allow your pastor to struggle. Allow your pastor to go through those times that you go through as well. But make sure that when he does that, that your pastor has the assurance that says, hey, pastor, I'm praying for you. Would you make that a priority in your life? Pray for and support, recognizing that this individual is God's servant for your own good. Uh, Thanks for joining us today, and please make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more interviews, episodes, and Bible teaching content. Uh, Thanks for joining us today.